Are you a woman age 21 and above who wants to take charge of your health? Then drop by any SOG Health Clinic and arrange for a cervical cancer screening today. Or thanks to Camtech Health's HPV self-sampling kits, you can collect your own sample in the comfort and privacy of your home for the first time ever in Singapore. Have questions? Don't worry. SOG and Camtech Health's dedicated and reliable team of professionals are here to help. Book an appointment today at SOG.com.sg or visit Camtech Health's website for more info. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. Welcome into Health Matters right here on CNA 938. Now, in this week, we're going to have screenings start off for almost 3,000 residents in the Jalan Bukit Mera area for tuberculosis. You've heard about it in the news updates here on CNA 938. 10 new identified cases and a possible link to a 2022 cluster. So once again, raising the importance of us understanding what tuberculosis is and how transmissive it can be. We're learning more as I chat today to Dr. Caroline Chung, Clinical Director of the Tuberculosis Control Unit, a consultant from the Department of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine at Tan Tok Seng Hospital. Dr. Chung, hello, welcome and thank you for joining us. Good to have you on board. Let's start off with a basic understanding of tuberculosis itself. Um, explain to my listeners what exactly this is, how it affects somebody. So this is an infectious disease. It's caused by the bacterium, mycobacterium tuberculosis. Um, it's actually one of the oldest diseases in the history of mankind. So there were records of TB um, found in ancient cities, buried in the Mediterranean Sea, dating up to even 8,000 years ago. Also found writings of TB, uh, recorded in writings old as three thousand over years old in Indian writings, ancient Chinese writings, and even the Bible. I hope this gives you an idea. You know that TB has been around for so many years, and it is still, and that is um how difficult a disease it is to treat. Um, so TB is um an airborne disease, which means that. If you can get infected if you inhale the air after somebody with untreated pulmonary TB coughs. And while TB primarily affects the lungs, it actually can affect any part of the body except for the hair and the nails. So you actually can see people with TB um, affecting any part of the body, but uh, primarily affects the lungs. And um, yeah, so that's what we see. It's fascinating to know that it is one of the oldest issues, health issues that the world has ever faced, that humans has ever faced. It's not like influenza and COVID. It doesn't mutate, mutate, change, change, new strain, new strain, all that kind of stuff don't have. Okay, so TB does mutate. Um, it's just that prior to the 20th century, there was no known cure, no known treatment for TB. So in the past, if anyone had TB, it was a death sentence. And it was known, um, and it is said that in the past, at least one in seven people died of TB. It was only when antibiotics were discovered in the 1900s when uh, we began to see effective treatment for TB. At the very beginning, it used to be an 18 to 24-month treatment. Patients had to take three months of injections. They had to take 20 tablets a day for 18 to 24 months. It was only when we had more effective treatments coming on board um, that we see the modern-day TB treatment today, which is four antibiotics that people take for at least six to nine months. So in the past, you know, without any effective treatment, the germ doesn't mutate. It just continues to affect humans. But now that we are seeing effective antibiotics against the germ, 
we are also starting to see the germ mutate against um, these medications. And that's what we call drug-resistant TB. So the TB can begin to develop mutations and become resistant to these um, TB medications. So there is a rising problem we are seeing um, even today. I remember reporting on XDRTB when it was um, first found mm. many, many years ago. And that was that was terrifying, actually, to know yes. about that. But the version that we see in Singapore, because it's endemic. I mean, it's been around, it's one of the oldest health issues in the world and it is endemic in Singapore as well. The version that we see in Singapore, it we don't see the drug-resistant TB, it's just regular TB. Okay, so thankfully for now, now, the drug-resistant TB rates in Singapore are low. Among local bonds, we see less than 1% uh, drug-resistant TB. And that is largely in part because we have a very strong national TB program where um, patients are treated under the directly observed therapy program. We also have a strong contact tracing with this uh, national TB program. So this means that we can have early detection of TB, good treatment of TB, and with that, we prevent the drug, the germ from mutating. We prevent uh, drug resistance, and we ensure that the patients are treated early, they're cured, and they prevent further transmission. So, for those of you that think that contact tracing was only a thing that came around during COVID, no, ah, we've been having, doing contact tracing for a long time. TB was really one of the pioneers in that, in many regards as well. Yes. So, Doctor Chung, talk to my listeners about how this affects a person if somebody were to contract tuberculosis. In the past, it was a death sentence because, like you said, we didn't have effective treatments and antibiotics changed the game after the 20th century. But how does it affect the human body? What is going on? Okay, so um, if a person gets infected with TB, the majority of them actually are well. So they can have a form of uh, TB called latent TB. So patients with latent TB, um, this actually means that their immune system is able to keep the TB under control. They will have no symptoms, their chest x-ray will be clear, they will feel totally well, and these people are actually not infectious. So people with latent TB, um, they do not spread the TB, can then go on and develop active TB. So this occurs when the immune system is no longer able to keep the germ under control. And then these people can develop symptoms, they can um, have chest x-ray changes, and they can then be infectious. So, so, so latent TB, TB can change into active TB? So about 10% of people with latent TB go on to develop active TB. And that is why, um, let's say you are diagnosed or found to have latent TB, for example, as part of a screening or contact tracing, we do offer a course of preventive therapy. So that is one antibiotic that you can take for a minimum of four months. And with this preventive therapy, the the, you actually reduce the risk of developing active TB by up to 80%. So it's great. So that's the reason why we do contact tracing in TB. We're bringing it one step, you know, one step further. We don't just want to treat those with active TB that are transmissible. We want to prevent them from uh, breaking down the active TB and being infectious. One thing um, we always say is remember that every person with TB started off as a contact. So if we can prevent the contact, or the person in latent TB from developing active TB, we actually can stop the cycle of transmission earlier. Going to my original question for this show, which is how transmissive TB actually is. It's airborne, as you described earlier on. I remember in earlier reports of other cases and incidences in Singapore where the elevator shaft, for example, was identified as a possible um, risk area because people were sharing the elevator shaft and whatnot. It's, it's, it's that transmissible. It hangs, it stays in the air. How much exposure does one need? What do we need to know? 
Okay, so with regards to the transmission of TB, there's actually many factors at play. So first of all, you need to see how infectious was that first person with TB in the first place. The viral uh, load. Yes. Now, oh, yeah. now we now, oh, now we know all the terms already after COVID, see? <laughs> Very good, good job. So it's the bacterial load in this case. So if the more bacteria they have, um, definitely they're more infectious. Or if they are coughing, you know, then it's more infectious. So the the source case, that's what we call it, the source case. How infectious was the source case? Next, it goes to the environment. Um, in what environment were you was the person exposed to TB? Was it a place with good ventilation? Was it a place that's open air, um, good ventilation, or is it in a enclosed area with poor ventilation? Or sometimes for us in the hospital, we do soil generating procedures that um, actually causes the aerosols to break out into the air and the TB germs in the aerosols. So um, it depends also if there is um, uh, if there is uh, uh, aerosol generating procedure, definitely be more infectious. And finally, it goes back to the 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 contact or the person who is coming into contact with active TB, uh, how robust is the immune system? So definitely someone with a weaker immune system, they are more likely to contract uh, TB. So to answer your question, there's actually many factors at play uh, with regards to the infectiousness of TB. I belong to that generation that took the BCG. Mm. Uh, does that protect me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I also took the BCG. And actually, BCG is still part of the National Childhood Vaccination Program born in Singapore take the BCG. And that is because the BCG is effective in protecting children below five on getting severe forms of TB. So earlier I mentioned that TB can affect any part of the body, except for the hair and the nails. So um, by having a BCG vaccination, it prevents uh, serious forms of TB. For example, TB of the brain, which can be potentially fatal. So that is why we still give BCG um, for the children, for the babies. However, a person who had BCG vaccination, they can still develop latent TB, they can still develop active TB. And that is why if you, even if you had the BCG vaccination, if you have been identified for screening as part of contact tracing, do come for the screening. And if um, found a latent TB, talk to the doctor and see if you will benefit from preventive therapy. I'm curious, how many cases of tuberculosis do we see on average per year in Singapore? So Singapore now is a medium incident uh, country. We see about 30 per 100,000 in the population. That will bring us to about 1,200 to 1,500 new cases every single year. That's I always joke to my patients, you know, there is TB around. That's why I still have a job. Yeah. I, I probably am the one person who wants to work myself out of a, out of a job. Let's not have a TB control unit. Let's, uh, we don't need it, hopefully, one day. But the thing is, it is, it's been here for thousands of years, mm. tuberculosis, but we do have good treatment now. And that is the thing that I want to zoom in on as we wrap up the discussion. Okay. Taking those medications, even though it's great that it's done under the direct observe therapy system where you go to the clinic, you take it in front of the nurse, it's recorded down and you carry on with the rest mm. of the day. The problem is, I mean, it's four to six months. That's a long time to be doing that every day. So for active TB, it's actually six to nine months. Six to nine months? My gosh. Yes. We must remember why we want to do the directly observed therapy. So there's actually three big benefits of doing DOT. Uh, the first one is you make sure that patients take the correct medications, the correct dosage, the correct combination. Um, it won't be effective. The germ may, turn, may, be, may, turn, um, may mutate and turn resistant. So that's the first thing. The second thing is with DOT, you ensure that the patient takes the treatment to completion. 
they complete the entire course. And for patients who take the entire course um, well, they have very good success rates, 95% cure rates, more, more than 95% cure rates. So that's why DOT is so, is so good. It helps to cure TB, stop the transmission, prevent relapse. Now, the third thing about DOT is that it actually allows the patient to um, have early access to healthcare should they um, develop any side effects. So let's say you're taking the medication, you start developing an itch. Oh, is this an, an allergic reaction? Should I continue taking my medicines? For patients, they don't know what to do. Yeah. But because they are taking the medicine at the polyclinic, the nurses can respond quickly. You're there every day. After all, you can bring it up every day when you're there. We're out of time, unfortunately, Dr. Chung, but thank you so much for your for your explanation and helping us understand the nature of tuberculosis. Dr. Caroline Chung there, who is Clinical Director of the Tuberculosis Control Unit and a consultant from the Department of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine of Tan Tok Seng Hospital. I'm Daniel Martin for Health Matters. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional. Are you a woman aged 21 and above who wants to take charge of your health? Then drop by any SOG Health Clinic and arrange for a cervical cancer screening today. Or thanks to Camtech Health's HPV self-sampling kits, you can collect your own sample in the comfort and privacy of your home for the first time ever in Singapore. Have questions? Don't worry. SOG and Camtech Health's dedicated and reliable team of professionals are here to help. Book an appointment today at sog.com.sg or visit Camtech Health's website for more info.